This morning's message coming from the fifth chapter of Isaiah, the first through the seventh verse, uh, in the reading scripture of Deuteronomy, fourth chapter, 29th verse. And this is a people, a chapter where it symbolizes rejoicing, a cheering and invigorating of the soul, a nourishing of the malnutrition the people had when they were in captivity, but it's a restoration from captivity, coming out of the Babylonian captivity and the book of Deuteronomy, that verse we read was the people he had said that he would scatter them throughout the earth if they disobeyed him and went away from his commandments and statutes and was doing all of the things that they shouldn't do. But if they would acknowledge him wherever they had been scattered, wherever they were, if they would acknowledge him and turn to him and would repent, he says, but if, if, but if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God. So he's talking about anywhere in the world, any, anywhere they should be, because this chapter opens up to the Gentiles. It, this is a a vast invitation, but it's sort of a command because when he says seek the Lord, it's not seeking to find the Lord because we, we find in verse 7 uh, where it says, if you would return to me. So these are people like in the church, churches in the book of Revelation, they had left a first love. They had gotten off of the beaten path in which they were on we talked about it in the book of Amos that the people, they had a religion, but it wasn't a true religion. They had left God out, that they had apostatized. The false teachers and preachers in Bethel and Gilgal, he says, seek not to those places. And a lot of people seek unto the churches today or whatever, but inside those churches, they're turning away from God. They have apostatized. They're not leading a spiritual life. They hadn't had that growth. And we noticed in the first paragraph, it's in the form of a command when he speaks what he speaks as the creator and that the audience, the people that he's speaking to, knows him and that they would return to him and that they already have a relationship, but the relationship has been frayed. In a marriage, a relationship can become frayed on the job. The relationship between me and my boss, it became frayed. Obstacles came among us or whatever. We were no longer close or whatever. He ended up saying, well, you're a good worker or whatever, but we no longer agree. And that's after 16 years of working there. Sometimes we change and go down different paths And it's not that God had changed. Other people and other things sometimes change us and we don't realize or see the change. And it requires a turning from the path that you own because the world has turned people against God. As your children grow older and grow out of your jurisdiction, go outside the home, they're at schools, they're with friends or whatever, the relationships sometimes become phrase. Instead of honoring the parent and listening to the parent or asking the parent for advice, 
they no longer ask advice. They end up telling the parents that they know it all or whatever. Sometimes they don't come by to visit or they don't, do, they don't see eye to eye. The, what happens? The relationship is free. You're looking for them to turn and come back as it was. You know, you could remember when they were children and they would ask you to do this or you would do this for them and that they realized and knew that you loved them or whatever. But other people and time has separated, afraid the relationship. It has drifted apart. And now you're looking to other people, other teachers, whether you join other churches or whatever, but you no longer seek after. And it's not seek your parents that you didn't know them, but seek to come back to find out what's going on in their lives. You may find out that that individual had been being sick sometime or have different illnesses because what? You no longer know them or whatever. And, and that's what happens with God here. So the resolve, and there's a resolve to this, a reason why this comes about. And the resolve would be to come back. The first point says, the Lord sends out a general invitation whereas a response is needed. That's why I entitled this, Seek the Lord, R-E-S-V-P. Because it, you need to, when someone sends out a wedding invitation or different invitations, they want to know who's going to be there or are you going to attend or are you not. And it means respond to the invitation, whether you're coming or whether your presence will be there or whatever. So God says here in the first three verses, he says, Ho, everyone that thirsted, come ye to the waters, and he that had no money, come ye buy and eat. Hey, yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfied not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Their fatness means richness, the fine, the finer things in life, abundant life. He's inviting you to live life as he lived life. God lives abundant life, a, a life of holiness, a pure life. It's no lack in his life, and that's what he's calling us to. You know, we've come out of bondage, and he's calling us out of bondage to come out of Babylon to enjoy life as we should have. He had designed and he had purpose for us to enjoy life. But the world has separated us from God. And he's asking us to seek back unto him. It says, incline your ear and come unto me and hear and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Now this covenant, we know about this covenant, and God says in the book of Jeremiah about establishing a new covenant with the people. Not the old covenant. Now these are people that knew God, but the covenant was weak through the flesh or whatever, but this new covenant, he was going to write on their heart. The resolve here was that he was going to do it. He had made it available to all, not just the Israelites, to just to, to the Jews, but anyone, anyone that thirsts, anyone that's hungered and thirsting for righteousness. 
You didn't have to have money to join this. It does. It's not going to cost you these things. It's not something that you can buy in this way. But it does require hearing, because faith cometh by hearing the word of God. So we actually do something and see something in the world. Looks at this at this through auspicious eyes, because we always kind of pessimistic about the things of God and we're so self-centered the world has been thrown so far to kelter that they don't know of God or about God but the things that they know of God they're willingly ignorant that they think just knowing God and they could create God in their image and in their likeness not in his image and his likeness because we know coming to God requires something. There's, that, though, there's just a conditional thing there. So that's an open-ended invitation. But you have to respond to this. Yes. That, that, that's a resolve that all souls are mine. All, but look what he says. And your soul shall live. That discounts, that throws out a lot of the doctrines that's preached in a lot of churches or whatever about uh, soul living in hell and that you're in hell burning forever and all these things because it opens it up to that he told Adam that the day you eat of this, you shall surely die. The book of Ezekiel, he says, the soul that sent it, it shall surely die. He says in one part of when he says, he says, don't fear him that can destroy the body or that can kill the body, but fear him that can kill the body and destroy the soul and spirit in hell. In other words, he can kill the soul because man became a living soul. That means that man doesn't possess that, that that's given to him by God and death does come. That, that promise of death is there in which a lot of doctors trying to make us overlook. We, we have to watch for doctrinal errors that puts us on the wrong path or whatever. So this covenant that he makes, he writes it up on our heart. He makes an everlasting covenant and like I said, when you have a covenant, you have a conditions of a covenant. It's like signing a contract. Marriage is a contract. God says in one of, one of the primary things in that contract that you love him above any and everything else and that he is a jealous God. You should have no other gods. You know, you, you wouldn't want your wife to have another man, would you? You wouldn't want your spouse, your husband to have another man. There's, there's things that goes along with being in certain relationships. Let's look at 2 Chronicles, the 15th chapter, the 2nd through the 4th verse. And Israel had suffered a lot of defeats and things was going on. And the Spirit of God came up on Azariah, the son of Obed, and he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all of Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, that is, inquiring of him as your soul's first necessity. God first. Not anybody else or anything else. Seek God first. 
You can go to the doctors and everything. But before you go to the doctor, ask God to send you to a doctor that's going to heal you. That's going to help you. That That's going to solve the condition. Ask him for direction. And there's nothing wrong with going to the doctor. You know, you don't have to appeal to these faith healers that tell you don't go to the doctor, don't do these things. God may direct you to where he does miraculously, miraculously heal you. But then there are a lot of people that get you looking for false signs and miracles and fool you, feel you full of faith that a faith that is in them and in faith itself and not in God. And God had provided a way, like during the, the COVID plague of the, the thing with COVID, a lot of people were saying that if God wanted you, then we ain't going to take the vaccine and God can hear you and we still going to meet at the churches and everything may not have been as wise as thought about. Maybe you did need the mask. Maybe you should wait and meet that over online and different things that God is in that. But we have to seek his instructions and what God is saying. So one of the things, and I'll talk about it in a minute, that we do get when we seek God is wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Because the Jews had a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. It's a lot of people doing things for God, but they don't know God. God don't know them. They know of God, and that's why it says, seek me and learn of me. It, it takes walking in his word, walking in the way that he had provided, and that is the central meeting place, the church is the designated place in which he's placed these gifts unto me. He says he will let you find him, but if you abandon and turn away from him, he will abandon and turn away from you. But when they were in their trouble and distress, they turned to the Lord God of Israel in desperation and sought him, and he let them find him. Sometimes you play hide and seek with your children or whatever. If you hide pretty good, they don't know how to find you or whatever. Sometimes you say things or whatever and you allow them to find you. You let them find you. You talk or whatever, I'm here or whatever. When they're a few years old, they, you can close your eyes or whatever. They can't see your eyes or face. They can't find you. And you say, peekaboo, you know, and then they, oh, there you is, you know. It's right in front of you. Well, God is right in front of us. But the devil has blinded our minds, have blinded our eyes. We have to seek unto God. As Jacob discovered that God was in Bethel. He was in Bethany. He was in these places and he knew it not because he wasn't looking for him or searching for him. You, you, you may have this young lady you want to marry and you love her or whatever, but she wants you to seek after her. She's going to do things or whatever to kind of make you prove a seeking after her that she wants the relationship to be one that you seek to make the relationship work that's what happens a lot of times in the marriage we're not continually seeking after one another so the marriage gets bland we drift away we start watching different things in different rooms or doing things not together we find things not doing together so we're not socially interactive the marriage is not the same the same with God if we're not praying and talking to him the lines of communications are not open 
If you're not, like I say, you need to go by and talk with your parents or sit down and talk with friends or whatever. Or those relationships get frayed and they get pulled apart. They get distanced. And the people had got distant, had got way away from God. They wasn't sincere. It says that when they sincerely sought him and things went well, but when their seeking of him relaxed and eventually stopped, the bottom fell out. So we're serving a God that a lot of people, when things are going well, they're not as much with God as they in church or in places, but God is not at the forefront of their mind. They're pleasure-driven or whatever, and they're not being thankful to God. That, that's the society we have a live in. As you say, we have so much technology, so much comfort in everything, that we resort to these things. We can resort to computers or televisions or different things to entertain us day in and day out. But if we look at these things, a lot of this technology of the things of the programs on television is things that God says don't do. Contains witchcraft, necromancy, talking to the dead, or communing with evil spirits and different spirits. And there are a lot of spirits in the world. And he don't mind us trying the spirits. He say, try the spirits to see whether they be of God. And, and if we know some things... That's of the wrong spirit. There's no use in me entertaining that. That can't become my champion or my hero because that's against God. That's establishing, causing me to pull for the wrong thing. That gets me away from God. And seeking God, I have to make the atmosphere conducive of God. That's why he says, quench not or grieve the spirit. So you don't go around someone that's always cursing or whatever. You sitting in a bar room or whatever. Are you listening at this music, some programs you listen at? All of this cursing and obscene stuff on that. The text I called, I told the, the driver, the people that I was riding with, the company, they asked how was the ride and everything. I said, well, maybe if you tell the driver, don't have a lot of rap music on when the customer's in there with a lot, a lot of cursing and thing on. I may can tell you personally to turn that down or whatever, but you're not going to take my warning seriously. You could just say, when I get out, that old man, don't this and that, that, and not take it seriously. But someone in authority tells you, Say, well, look, when customers or people in there turn your rap music down, I ask the customer, is it conducive for him to have that? Because I, you leave away from around a lot of people or don't visit people that's talking or using a lot of profane language or dress certain ways or whatever. You have to abstain because God is not in those things. Anything that God, so we're seeking his presence. We see contact with God ceases In this nation, God is not present in this nation available to us all because why? The judgment of God is coming upon this nation for the things the nation have done. And he calls us, he says, come out of Babylon so you won't be a partaker of her plagues. So the things that's going around in this nation and to the world, If we don't come out of the world, if we don't come out of Babylon and seek the Lord while he may be found. Because there's going to come a time that 
God's not going to be found. Not that he's not present. It's that he's going to turn his face against you. That's what I say. God is in the world. God was on the throne, but iniquity, it says your iniquities have separated you from God. In other words, you can no longer hear God. Not that God is not speaking. It's that he's going to turn you over to a reprobate mind and you can't see. You can't see your faults. You can't see your weaknesses. You can't see in your sin because you're not beyond the horizon. God keeps us beyond the horizon. The first sermon I was preached was the borders of God here in this church. The borders of God. If we stay within that perimeter, the borders of God, seeking God in his face, then we abide in him and we stay safe. We stay in the fortress. That's having a relationship with God. That's knowing God. We hadn't left the first love venturing out in the world. So the second point is repentance and rep being reprobates. And see, that's why it says, if you would turn from your ways and seek my face, listen, this at this, this seventh verse says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not like your thoughts, and my ways are neither your ways, saith the Lord. For all the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So, we will cover that next week, the thoughts of man, the thoughts of God, or whatever. So, if we seeking God, how can two walk together unless they agree? If we're thinking on the wrong things, seeing the wrong, imbibing in the things of this world, and we drunk and toxic, got intoxicated to the world and the things of the world, that's what satisfies us, the things of the world. We no longer find satisfaction in God. The term reprobate mind indicates a mind devoid of proper judgment. When God's judgment against Adam and Eve went into effect, mankind's choices in daily life became based almost entirely upon human experiences. We lost something in the fall. Man became depraved, a depravity of men. He left us to our own devices. That's why I said they died. They actually died that day. If not physically, spiritually. Contact with God was lost. Now, he did cast them out of the garden, but they could no longer commune with God. So if we can't commune with God, we can't be led by spirit. And we know only those that are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. So we're our own sources. Others are our sources. God has to be our source. And if we have lost a source, we have to get back seeking that source. Because he's righteousness in all which we should be. So as he turned us over according to Romans, the first chapter, 28 through the 32nd verse, listen at this. He says, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God and consider him worth knowing as their creator, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do things which are improper and repulsive. 
until they were filled, that is, permeated and saturated with every kind of unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, mean-spiritedness. And that, that's prevalent today, that mean-spiritedness. Everybody has this meanness, this vindictiveness, this bitterness, this sourness, just contrary, just mean. That, that's one of the attitudinal things that we can see that's prevalent that you have to fight off. It attacks me many a time. That's why I say we have to be aware of the spirits in the world. There is something we must do. We must mortify. We must die to self. So like I say, he's speaking to people that know God to know to do what's right that we should be doing. He's not talking to those that own milk. That's why he says, come by without money, wine. Now he did say milk, but the milk was to the younger ones, to the ones that were coming in that didn't know. He says, come and ye eat, come by wine and milk without money. The milk is to the young Christians, the ones that are nourishing. Paul said he had fed the the Corinthians with milk and not meat because they wasn't strong enough. They hadn't been in the church long enough. That's what had gotten dangerous with them because it's like the churches today. You've given adults loaded guns, I mean kids loaded guns. They understand it's children. Now they're able to buy things, get houses, money, and cars and things, but God is not in it, so it becomes a danger to them. It's dangerous to them. So what happens is, he says that they were yet carnal and not ready for meat. Paul talked about these same people during the Corinthian, when during the love feast, that some of them was getting drunk before the love feast, the Lord's Supper, whatever, and they were eating and drinking. He said, you don't have houses to do this in? You're forgetting what we are meeting ceremonially here for. We live in an intoxicated age where it says the priest and the preachers are drunk and all the tables are full of vomit. They're in a deplorable condition. And here, wine, you wouldn't think of giving children wine. When we come to the Lord's table, a lot of people instruct people, don't drink of these people communion because it's real wine. It's intoxicated. And you go to drinking. So, Paul told Timothy to drink a little wine for his often infirmity. We're not saying that you have to be a teetotaler, but wine is an inhibitor. It causes you to be joyous. He wants us to rejoice because it's nothing against it. I, I, if, if, if this was so bad and people tried to make the condition about fermenting and unfermented, when his disciples asked him, he says, to drink something, he says, I shall not drink it again until I drink it new in the king. So food doesn't commend us to God or whatever. And he says, come drink wine and milk. So he's talking about joyous occasion. God gives the best feast. Wouldn't you want to be at a feast of God, that God was giving the feast? But these people, they are unrepentant people. God's word hadn't had effect in them. 
they were like these five wise and five foolish brides. Now notice that they all was in the church. They were all virgins. They were all within the church, but five was wise and five was foolish. There's going to be a lot of foolish people in the church. Just because you're in the church doesn't mean that you're saved, that you're a child of God. He said they are gossips, spreading rumors, slanderous, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of new forms of evil, disobedient and disrespectful to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, without pity, all they though they know God's righteous decree and his judgment that those who do such things deserve death, yet not only do they do them, but they even enthusiastically approve and tolerate others who practice them. You sitting here watching this and rejoicing in this and you know God says, don't do that. Right. But the star and the hero of that show, you remember I was telling you about this show, I was this movie uh, didn't say Washington, Dakota in it, but that, that's the way they make all shows now. All shows are based upon the star taking vengeance and blowing up and killing people in all kinds of fantastic ways. But God says, no, vengeance is mine. So they make it to where you enjoy the bad guy getting it or whatever. But if we read scripture, we know that God doesn't even rejoice in the death of the wicked. God pulls back punishment when you laugh or rejoice when bad things happen to people. Jesus came teaching Love your enemy. Feed those that despitefully do things against you. If he's thirsty, give him water. If he's hungry, feed him. Pray for him. So we have to seek after Jesus. That Jesus, that was our example. We want to be like him. We seek after someone that we want to be united to in light, in his image, in his likeness. Paul exposes the consequences of having a secular mind. Anybody with mindsets and minds like that. It says when God is removed or removes himself, mankind not only loses godliness, but true humanity. He says Ephraim is joined to his idols. Let him alone. Sometimes you have to pull back from people. Paul says, turn this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Sometimes we have to see that God has altered this person and you will get hurt if you stay united to that. Sometimes you're in a domestic situation and instead of leaving, you stay in that relationship and he ends up killing you there. She ends up killing you there. God says that we would rather you be at peace. When Paul addressed that issue in marriage and everything, he says if the unbeliever wanted to depart or the believer wants to depart, let them because God says that we uh, we should be at peace. If you can't have peace in your home, you can't keep compromising and tolerating to the point to where it presents a deadly situation to you and your children or the people that you're here to protect. This degeneration occurs because man is not seeking God. He's seeking manna, mama and self-satisfaction. Christ, however, did not seek his own will. He did. And he says, he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. We have to seek God, keep seeking after him in what pleases him, not what pleases us. 
This is what makes the difference between Christ and the rest of mankind, resulting in his judgment being completely unclouded. So if we're trying to develop the mind of God, if we're seeking God, we, our mind becomes transformed through a renewing of the mind because he says to seek after him, we must deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow after him. That our minds and thoughts become transformed to think like he does. Those that wait too late and have not been heeding that warning perishes. Remember I was telling you about the five foolish and the five wise virgins. It says, verse Matthew 5, 10-13, But the foolish virgin said to the wise, Give us some of your, because our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No. Otherwise, there would not be enough for us and for you too. Go instead to the dealers. Go to those preachers or those other people that you used to travel with and run with and buy some. Buy all for yourselves. But when they went back, but while they were going away to buy all, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast and the door was shut and locked. Later the others also came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he replied, I assure you most solemnly and say to you, I do not know you. We have no relationship. Therefore be on the alert, the prepared and ready, for you do not know the hour of the day when the Son of Man comes. Yes. So, like I said, when he says, seek me, that requires preparing to meet God. That means we should be praying, trimming our lamps. That means we should be reading and studying the Word of God. There are things that we should do so God wouldn't turn us over to the devil because he says redeeming the time. So don't waste time watching television, playing video games, going, visiting others, and working as Martha was busy working. You need some time talking with the Lord seeking the Lord. He says, seek me while I shall be found. Don't wait till you get sick and in a bind and then try to seek God and you seeking him with some weak prayers or looking after him and you can't find him. I, I wanted to preach out of the Song of Solomon because if you read the Song of Solomon, it's about the complacent lover, the beloved, because the lover came and he sought her. But then she was so complacent, she thought it was a dream. She was sleeping, relaxing, and the lover banged and banged on the door till he left. Yes. And the watchman, in other words, the people in the city, beat her, tortured her. And she couldn't find her lover because he had left. Christ tells us to be ye ready. He's coming back for us, so the bride has to prepare. What bride is not preparing for her wedding day? That's one of the busiest times they could be in is preparing for that wedding day. They're not doing something else. Everything is focused upon that wedding. They're thinking about that spouse. That spouse is thinking that that future spouse is thinking about his bride. And he's building a home. In Jewish culture, they would build and get ready to come back. If they go add a home to the family structures or whatever, he's getting that house just right and ready for us. I remember our first house that we were staying in when I got married was on Blanchard Court. 
and we were decorated and getting it ready, getting it prepared for the wedding, and our minds was on one another and getting that home ready for the wedding. We were looking forward to August 1st, but our mind wasn't just on the house, though the preparation was there. I had to continually work it. She continually worked But then there's other things, the, the wedding cake, the food, the invitations, the dresses, everything. So there's a lot when he says, come and drink. Because we can't eat of his table unworthily. When the king invited them to the wedding feast and he found someone that didn't have on a wedding garment, he said, cast him out. So it's already told us to put on beautiful garments, put on Christ, put on our strength. That's why I say this invitation is to someone that's in the body of Christ. It's to people that have slipped. They know of God. And it's a lot of people in the world know of God. But just knowing that he died for you, knowing the things that he went through, you don't know God, you know of him. There's no relationship with him. There's other things you've heard of people said. And if you're in the church and if you're working for the purpose of God, you're helping establish through faith the righteousness. So that's why a lot of times you, you... like Sister Harris would come in and some a lot of times and say, well, Pastor, I was praying for that and everything. Right, because if you hungered and thirsted for righteousness, this is the place you most woke at because this is what you were thinking of all week, that you're coming to meet God and he's going to supply food. He's going to supply your nutrients. He's going to supply. He's going to have to work through me to tell you what he says. But the whole week long, you're seeking God because all week you encompassed about by such a great cloud of witnesses that we know he's giving us our daily bread and he's feeding us. Yes. And we're going to have a Sabbath day meal when we come here. Yes. So it's supposed to be a bigger meal, but through the week he's constantly feeding us because each morning we say, give us this day our daily bread. Are we praying each morning that God would give us that daily bread, that manner each and every day? They resisted the call for salvation. And Jesus in John, John the 33rd chapter of John the 34th verse, then said Jesus unto them, Yet a little while I am with you, and then I go unto him that sent me. You shall seek me and shall not find me, and why I am thither you cannot come. And they was wondering, where is he going? He was talking about ascending unto the Father. You couldn't get to him then. But he left an authorized representative on the earth. He left a portal. The church is that portal. It's the way to Christ. It's the flesh. He had opened up a veil in his flesh that we could approach the throne of God. And if we need anything, he says, ask the Father in his name. So to his children, he had left away. But they weren't understanding that because they were not a part of his people. It was like the parable of the sword. He explained that to his disciples once he was inside. When inside the church is where God gives you some of the deeper mysteries of God. He, he, that the ministry, the fivefold ministry, we have pastors and teachers and helps and everything to help us understand what God is saying, that we're rightly dividing the word of truth. 
John 8, 21, it says, Then said Jesus unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and ye shall die in your sins. Whither I go, you cannot go, because they knew everything, so you would die in your sin because you said you didn't need me. You said that you had a covering. And without me as your covering, because he told his disciples in the 17th chapter, he says, I've given them thy word. That word is your protection. That's your ark. That's your fortress. There's nothing more powerful than the word of God. You have to hide in the word. If we're hidden in the word of God, Abide in that word. If we abide in that word and the word abides in us, he's going to protect you. He says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Why? Because we're following the conditions of the covenant. Yes. Now, we, we stop following or we not follow some of the conditions of that covenant. We open up ourselves to illness, to, to sicknesses, everything. We are inoculated against the COVID, but if we don't get the booster shots and keep up with things, we may be susceptible to these different strands of COVID that's coming. Once we join Jesus, he says, if you continue in my word, and he's going to give you a deeper and deeper understanding as we walk, 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 and labor in his word. Hosea 5 and 6 says, They shall go with their flocks and with their herds to seek the Lord, but they shall not find him. He had withdrawn himself from them. We want, like I say, we are people that want things in our time when we get ready for it, and they keep putting off and putting off. God said, I'll, I'll come when I get ready, when I get a little bit older. Give me a little bit of time or whatever. You shall not find God. It's like the spies when he told them to, Go into the land. Go in by faith or whatever. Oh, we can't beat them. We can't do this. Sometimes the odds get overwhelming. It seems as though the old world is overwhelming. We can't live by holiness. The Bible says this. The Bible and got outdated. We can't live and do that. Uh, do this. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? He can do the impossible because all things are possible with him. But the reason you're thinking like that, your thoughts then got discombobulated. The world has pulled you into their thinking, into their ideology, and you're following their heroes and television. Now you don't know what to believe. The confusion then got you into necromancy. I remember I left a church because the pastor was saying that my mother had said something or whatever and told her, okay, it's time to go. It's time to go. My mama been dead a month or two. That's necromancy. When you go to watching witches and goblins and vampires and all of these other things, that's necromancy. That's what happened with Saul. He had fought and got all of the witches out of the land, but when he got in trouble in a title or whatever, he said, find me a woman that's a median. And he went, and this woman rose supposedly Samuel, but it was a counterfeit. It was a counterfeit. You can go to fortune tellers and who do and voodoo. Some of that stuff do have a power that's bewitching to you, but it's not God. You didn't got in contact with the spirit. You didn't went to a seance or to something 
And that's what the devil has, lying signs and wonders because God tells us in the Necronomy, if you have a relative or anybody that tells you talking to the dead is forbidden. That's why Jesus said, told his disciples, now don't tell them about this transfiguration to after I'm gone or whatever and tell it to the disciples. You see, a lot that we're telling people and then you go there not understanding and you become a snake handler. It's a lot of people in different little churches and things picking up rattlesnakes and doing all this. But you should know the scripture says, don't tempt the Lord thy God. The Bible has a, a for instance in there, Paul didn't know the viper was in that pile of lumber and everything that he was putting on the fire. The viper came out and latched itself to Paul's hand and Paul shook it off in the fire. Paul didn't die. But it didn't mean that he was to go around sticking his hand, picking up rattlesnakes and dancing and drinking poison because it says, tempt not the Lord thy God. So when Satan says, if you be the son of God, he talking to Jesus, cast yourself off of the side of this pinnacle. And the word does says, lest he bear thee up, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. It's right there in Psalms. But Jesus says, it is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. See, because the people tempted God in the wilderness. They say, well, God can't provide a table. We used to the leeks and the melons and the cucumbers and everything. We tired of this manna. God provided meat for them. He provided quail for them. And they eat it, ate it till it came out of their nostrils and they died as they were eating this. Don't tempt God. But you have to learn of him. So the third is the response. The third point is the response. When we seek after God, we begin to follow peace with all being. Matthew 5, 25 through 26 says, Come to terms quickly at any opportunity with that opponent while you're in the midst of him or on the way to court so that your opponent does not hand you over to the judge and the judge to the God. So... We learn to get along with people uh, in agreement. We don't fight everything because he says follow peace as much as possible with all men. You can't be argumentative and confrontational. So God's people start learning these things because what? Peace builds the house of God. David couldn't build the house of God because he was a bloody man. He fought a lot of battles and everything. So that's why he taught us, turn the other cheek. If he smites you, turn the other cheek. Don't go in looking for confrontation. The peace of God, that was a covenant also, the peace of God. Those that seek after the Lord continually are continually filling their lamps with oil. For when the foolish took their lamps, they did not take any extra oil. But the wise took flask of oil along their, with their lamps. Now while the bridegroom was delayed, they all began to nod off. Not some of them. They all, because he took a long time. So don't come in here trying to sleep. I see a lot of y'all be tired and everything. You don't want to be tired. You want to tell your whoever it is, not on Friday night, not on Friday. I be telling people. No, I'm trying to get ready. I need to be at my best tomorrow. I don't need to be nodding off and people see me nodding off in that pantry. And I don't want to have to force this. When we start putting God first, seeking first the kingdom of God, 
he's going to add all these things to us. We're going to become overcomers. It says, but at midnight there was a shout, look, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins got up and put put their own lamps in order. That is, trim them because you had been praying, you had been reading and studying. All you have to do is go out. He says, continually being filled with the Spirit. In other words, you're constantly reading daily devotionals. You're reading and studying the Word of God. You've been seeking after it. Because with all your heart, Jeremiah 29, 10-14 says, For thus says the Lord, when 70 years of exile have been completed in Babylon, I will visit and inspect you and keep my good promises to you. To bring you back to this place, for I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for what? Peace and a good well-being and not for disaster. To give you a future and hope. Then you will call on me and you will come and pray to me and I will hear your voice and I will listen to you. Then with a longing, that is, you will seek me and inquire of me as a violent necessity and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and I will free you and gather you from all the nations and places where I've driven you, says the Lord. And will bring you back to this place. So God promises to give you the land. He promises restoration. He promises a blessed life. Aren't you tired of this fighting and struggling? Don't you want to enter into his rest? Don't you want peace and abundant life and live eternal life with God? He says, if you believe upon him, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. If you believe upon the Son, you have eternal life. Not some other time. He wants you to prosper and be in health in this life. We need a lot of word of faith people to come in with that belief. That God wants you to prosper and be in hell. Have faith and confidence in it. That's not the only thing. So it's a lot they can learn when they come in here because it's other portions. It was here a little and there a little. So a lot of doctrines you have to end up pairing the things out that are poison. He said he told him, he says, listen at the Pharisees, but beware that their doctrine because it contains leaven. So people add things to the gospel that shouldn't be in there. They take things out that shouldn't be taken out. But we have to live a repentant life, lining up with the word of God, establishing the word of God. Those promises, and there is a Sabbath day rest. There is a rest to the people of God. But we have to be bold and strong to be able to stand up on that. God wants to give us that, and he's going to give it to his people during this day and time to his people. And like I said, some won't make it because they don't have that faith to overcome. Not that they're not God's people. We need to continue in doing what we know we should be doing, helping establish the kingdom of God in righteousness because he said that's what he was going to do. Establish us in righteousness. We preached that a couple of weeks. He's going to establish us in righteousness. We should be establishing the kingdom. I think about my grandson when I'm quoting that one. Micah, the sixth chapter and the eighth verse, the book of Micah, he says, He hath told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, except to be just and to love 
that is diligently practice kindness, compassion, and walking humbly with the Lord your God. Setting aside any sense of self-importance or self-pleasure and all these things. We need to practice doing what's right, practicing righteousness. These things are going to flourish in us. Fret not thyself because of evil. So if we seek the Lord, we're going to start thinking as he's thinking, walking as he's... In other words, he's going to start making us in his image and likeness. All of those things that I talked about in Romans we know we have to put them off. We have to discard them. So you're going to stop being mean-spirited. You're going to stop being hateful, bitter. All those things that was in Romans, covenant breakers, because you've made an everlasting covenant with him. And a disciple is a follower. So if you, have to, if you want to be his disciple, you have to line up with his teaching. And that's what he gave us in the scripture. He was the giver of all good gifts to men, and he left gifts down here for man. And he says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments within thee, he's going to write them upon your heart. If we start practicing them, that's why it says, before you resist the devil, you have to submit yourself unto God. Submission comes first, humbling yourself under the hand of God. Calling on him, he says, if my people would humble themselves and pray, I'll hear. So those are the weapons you have to arm yourself with before resisting Satan. Because if you have all of this world within you, there's no room for God. It has to be pulled off. It has to be cast off. He says, so that thou incline thy ear unto wisdom. That's wisdom from God. If you lack it, wisdom from God... Ask God for it in this conversation and prayer. God, teach me. I don't have the sense. I don't understand this. Give me the wisdom to do this. He freely gives you wisdom. But you have to talk to him as you're talking to your father. And he says, anything that you ask the father in my name that he would do. He says, incline thine ear unto wisdom. Wisdom is all around. And Proverbs is pictured as a lady, Sophia is calling unto us. God has wisdom out there. We have to be searching for it. That's what seeking is, searching with all your heart, looking for it in all of the places. When you've lost something, you don't you hate the people that when you're looking for something or tell them you done lost something, where the last place you had it? Look, you idiot, if I knew that, I would know where it's at. You have to look everywhere. You have to search for it wherever you've been. The woman that swept and lost that coin. So you have to diligently, that's fervently, the fervent prayer of a righteous man availed much. You can't be lackadaisical. I was going somewhere with my son and we were talking and I thought he wanted to answer this. We talked and talked. And after all this time, he said, I didn't care and I didn't make no difference to me. You mean tell me you didn't waste my time with all of this and it didn't mean anything to you? Finding God has to mean something to you. It has to be of all. He's the giver of those gifts. He says, and if you incline your ear into wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding, if thou criest after knowledge and lift up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as hid treasure, then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He laid up sound wisdom for the righteous. 
He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. So if you know what to do, you to walk right, you to do right, you to practice right, you to practice justice, you to do all. If you do this, God reveals himself. He's going to let himself be found of you. It's going to increase in you. You will get more bold and you will establish this up on earth. He's going to take vengeance. He said, vengeance is mine. He's going to remove the evildoer. We shouldn't fret at all. Heavenly Fathers, we come before you this day, Lord God. I ask you to strengthen us in your word, Lord God, to help us, Lord God, as we seek after you. Seek after you as for hidden treasure, Lord God. But we know that you're not hidden, that you're available for us to find. We find you in studying our word, Lord God, studying to show ourselves approved workers that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We seek for you in prayer, Lord God. We call unto you, Lord God. In a life lived as you lived, Lord God, we walk as you walk, Lord God. For you said that it is finished 